Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Today, we have my doula on the podcast, Patty Quintero. This episode has been a long time coming. We would have recorded it when I was pregnant, but as I shared in this episode, I just didn't have that kind of energy within me when I was pregnant to really have a deep dive conversation with Patty, which is what I knew this would be. We got to go so deep on so many different topics about birth in this episode. Anyone who is pregnant or a mother, this episode is for you. And anyone who's hoping to be pregnant and have children in the future, this is also for you. Or if you just want to learn more about the process because you're interested in being a doula or supporting one of your friends through their pregnancy, I hope you can find value in this episode because it is full of education and we also laugh a lot. Patty is a dear friend and I have learned everything there is to learn from her about birth and what it is to be a doula. So thank goodness Jonathan and I had Patty to hold our hands through the pregnancy process and the birth because we just had such a support system and such a sounding board for all of the massive decisions that you make when you're pregnant. Like, are you going to have a home birth or a hospital birth? Are you going to have an epidural? Are you going to go natural? And we talk about all of this and then some in this episode. We also get into the nitty gritty. We talk about what even is a doula because I'm sure some people are wondering and the differences between a doula and a midwife. And we also talk about a lot of our thoughts on the current medical system when it comes to birth. And we leave a lot of room for all experiences. There's no judgment. You guys know that I am so holistic and would have loved to go natural in my birth. But I was in the hospital. I had an epidural. And then we were in the NICU for 10 days. So I have an interesting journey. We dive deeper into it in this episode, and I share things that I've never shared before about that time that are very vulnerable, and I hope they help you if you ever find yourself in a similar position. 
And Patty is a well of knowledge about all things natural birth, surrender, the portal that is birth. It's a very shamanic experience to help guide someone into the other realm to fetch their baby. And that's what Patty does for a living. She's a very well-known doula here in Los Angeles. She is the go-to for people from celebrities to yogis to mamas like myself who have just heard her name for many years. And I was lucky enough to swoop her up and be her final birth before she headed on a 100 plus day journey to become a Vedic meditation teacher in Sedona shortly after I gave birth to Atticus. I've also met all of my mom friends through Patty. She has a postpartum series that I do every week. And I was just talking with a friend about this who I met through Patty. We're so lucky to have each other because Patty is the common denominator. So we already know that we have something in common, which is that we're holistic minded. We had a doula. We are into energy and consciousness and meditation and yoga. And that's been so helpful because to be honest with you guys, it can be hard to find your mom crew when you have a baby. A lot of my friends don't have kids yet. A few of them do, and a few of them are pregnant. But a lot of my friends are single or married, but not having kids yet. So to find my mom crew, I couldn't just go to like a regular mom group because I'm not a regular girl. (laughs) I'm different. And I think that that's reflected in this episode and all of my episodes. So I could go on. I want to get into this episode with Patty because it's juicy it's deep. We really go there. We answer all of your questions and then some about all things doula, where to find a doula, why you should have a doula, why you should know about the doula world, and how to get in touch with Patty. Her business and brand is called Uma Mother, and she has a lot of exciting things coming out soon. So stay tuned for that, and you can find all the links in the show notes to get in touch with Patty and to find a doula in your area. We talk about that in this episode too. So without further ado, let's dive on in. I love you guys so much. Can't wait to hear what you think. My whole pregnancy, everyone said, will you please have your doula on? And (laughs) I just had no energy. I had no energy to plan anything. I had no energy to do anything. But here we are in a whole new stage. But that's a very good sign. That means that you were tending to exactly what you needed to. You're right. Right? The most important project that you've ever made. (laughs) Ever. Although I was still podcasting and working, I just didn't have it in me to like plan conversations that I really wanted to have. Like this one. Yeah. Well, I wanted to have all the ones I did, but it's hard to kind of explain. I feel in a whole new phase now where we can talk about the process. You were the hugest support to me and Jonathan and Atticus for the whole pregnancy. You were present for the birth, which was wild and people know about it now. And we can kind of do like a birth story part two to talk from your perspective. And we couldn't have done it without you. So there's just Mm -hmm. so much here. Yeah. Well, everything at the right time. Mm -hmm. And it's such an honor to be here with you. And I'm so, I'm always so people who I end up working in such intimate spaces with, it's impossible to not hold them dear in your heart, especially the little ones that I feel like I really do connect with them before they've actually come into this realm. And so we have them in our arms. I feel like anytime that we meet or anytime we speak, as soon as you become kind of, as soon as you're under my, my, 
mama uma umbrella, just my energy becomes very much entwined with this little person. So I can't wait to see him because I haven't been able to see him and squeeze him since I've been back in Los Angeles. So I know. So for everyone listening, about 10 days after I gave birth, Patty left for three plus months. You can clarify on this for a Vedic meditation training. And you were just, you know, you were off the grid. I was. I was off the grid and I was definitely in a very, in a very, very different state of consciousness. And I mean, in a different reality than, than what I left behind here. And it's true because I think that was one of the things that when we put your due date on the calendar, which was, what was your initial? Right. It was Mm -hmm. right on Christmas. That was what we had talked about. I, if you end up going past the 31st, I won't be here anymore. So, (laughs) Yes. Just to add to my urgency, which people now know, like I felt so urgent to give birth. There were so many factors in that. And that was one of many. It was like, Patty's going to be gone. My doctor's going to be gone, which he was. I don't really want to give birth on Christmas, which was my own thing. And, you know, he's going to be a Sagittarius, not a Capricorn. So many things in my mind that I know I learned to surrender and we'll do differently next time. But it was perfect this time. It was just very me. You know, what's so funny is, and I think it's really important for people to hear this, is because one of the greatest waves that comes our way when we're walking toward that precipice of getting ready to give birth is the ground seems to start to fall away from us. And some of the things that happen is, just big life changes begin to happen. Will my doula actually be able to be there? Will my midwife or doctor be able to be there? Will I be able to be in the home space that I'm in? I can't tell you how many times in in all the years that I've worked with people who are kind of walking up to that place of giving birth where all the chess pieces of life start to be moved around, especially home space. Either there's mold that appears in their house that they didn't know, or they have to move out, or they have to relocate, or someone who they really wanted at their birth may or may not be there. And it's the ultimate test of surrender, of letting go and knowing that you really do have everything that you need inside of yourself. And it may not be exactly with the cast and characters that you wanted there, but the little person who's coming through has a hand in all of that. Yes. I know that you've already experienced. Oh, absolutely. Okay, my loves, let's talk about getting our ears pierced. It was the ultimate rite of passage to get your ears pierced at Claire's, in middle school, in the mall. Please tell me I'm not the only one. And if you look around today, it may seem like a tattoo parlor is your only option to level up your ear game. But if that's not your thing and you want a grown-up alternative to the traditional piercing shop, then check out Studs. Studs is reimagining the piercing experience for each and every ear. If you want to refresh your look with a new piercing or you need pro styling advice, you can shop online or stop into Studs in LA, New York, Austin, Miami, Boston, or Seattle with more stores coming soon. And if you want to get a new or even first-time piercing, but you feel a little scared, don't be scared. Studs pierces with single-use needles, never with guns, so it's way safer and better, especially for advanced piercings. 
Jod's earrings are made from high-quality materials which won't turn your skin green, plus they're lightweight and durable enough to wear all the time. You can even sleep and work out on them. They have over 250 styles of hoops, studs, cuffs, and dangles, and they pierce way more than just earlobes, so it's easy to create a statement look or something you keep every day, starting at $10 per earring. And I have such sensitive skin. I really appreciate the methods that they use, and I know TBB fam will agree. Right now, Studs is offering our listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to studs.com slash balanced. Go to studs.com slash balanced for 20% off your first purchase. That's studs.com slash balanced. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Ariana Maddox, reality TV star, author, mixologist, and major daydreamer. My show, Earth to Ariana, is where we can all get lost in conversation together. Whether it's the weird things we fangirl over or our trauma and triumphs, we all have a story to tell, including you. We really are all connected, and I can't wait to explore these conversations with you. Every week, we will be putting on our comfiest PJs, circling up with a cocktail, and chatting with fans and friends alike. We might even get a little too comfortable. Check out Earth to Ariana anywhere you listen to podcasts. We release new episodes every week. Yes, and you've been such a voice of reason. You were saying things to me like that the day <laughs> that I gave birth that I was like praying to, to start having real contractions. But when you're so deep in that 40-week pregnant place, it's just hard to even take that in. Yeah. And hearing you say it now it hits differently because it's true. It's it's all perfect. Yeah. And the timing is exactly what it's meant to be. But something takes over, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot, when in those final two-ish plus weeks of pregnancy where time gets really weird. Oh, yeah. And every day feels like a year. Right. And every bit of patience you've always told yourself you would have goes away. At right. least that was my experience. Maybe some people feel the opposite. They feel right. maybe not ready. I just felt very done with being pregnant, which was my main reason for being ready to yes. have the baby. Yeah, you're right. It's like part of us gets really stuck in the relative world and the other part starts to get pulled into what we call the absolute. And the absolute time is, is surreal in that space because past, present, and future are all happening at the same time. Time is not linear in that space, but in the relative world, time is very real. And our identities are very real. And the way that we want things and the way we think things need to happen is very real. So it's almost like this, we're being pulled through these like taffy in these two spaces. And it is, I think this is one of the biggest challenges when we do set something like a due date, and I'm doing quote fingers, mm -hmm. because this is a guesstimation. We don't know. Now, something inside of us knows something. Like you definitely, I really remember specifically with you, Jordan, that you had this, I, you had this knowing inside of you, even just through your whole journey to get pregnant, which I think you've probably shared many podcasts on the challenges that you had and everything that you went through to get to this point. Mm -hmm. As you were going through it, your body started to, before, way before your due date, your body started to give these like signs of labor coming through. So I think that's something that was also very specific to you, mm -hmm. that you already knew like what's going on. Why am I kind of like two steps forward, you know, one step back for such yes. a long time? Yeah, that played a huge role for me. Right. 
and messed with my mind a lot. And even at the time, I knew in my heart of hearts, this is Atticus and this is his personality already. He's kind of fiery and he's funny and he's tricking me. He's teaching me to surrender. And And I have no control anymore. And that's hard. That's how I was feeling at that time. To let go of that control was feeling impossible. And then it was a month of two steps forward, one step back <laughs> at being in labor, but not being in labor. Two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, two steps exactly. forward, one step back, like which, back and forth. Yeah, which is why. And yeah. we can talk all about, you know, that night of the birth, which we'll get into. But that's why in those waves, I just, I haven't gotten to see you since then. I know. And I have this memory of being on my bed and being deep, deep, deep into labor and saying to you, Patty, I'm not sure that I'm in labor, but something's happening. So I'm very scared because this, I think I'm just dying. And you said, either way, we're going to go to the hospital because <laughs> something's going on with you. Right. But you knew, of course, that I right. was in labor. Mm-hmm. But I was in denial. You, There was definitely part of you that was, which for me is not unfamiliar to see. Again, it's that. Like we could almost have an image of one arm holding onto one thing and the other arm holding onto the other side and they're being pulled back and forth. But the other side is so unfamiliar and it's the unknown and it's really the space where the best things happen is in that unknown space. But the holding on to, again, what I can control and what I feel um, familiar with is really prominent in that space. So we'll see people go back and forth and back and forth. And finally, when you let go of that other hand and you actually let it take you, that's when the waves start to push you forward. And so what I remember specifically, and it's true, we're just seeing each other now. So I feel like we have so much to catch we up We really on. do. But I do remember walking in and I, and I remember thinking, should I come? Should I come? And, and everything was, you know, Jonathan was really, really funny. He was like, no, everything is good. And everything is, you know, he was keeping everything very <laughs> that calm. That is Jonathan in a nutshell. So and, no, we're all good over uh, here. My wife's just telling me she's dying. And I kept thinking, I think it's time for me to come over. And when I came over, all the lights were really bright. And I was like, we need to make it darker in here. I remember thinking that. And you were on your bed on all fours. and But you were kind of very, very talkative and like keeping that, you know, your regular Jordan personality Mm -hmm. of like, I got this covered. But then there was another part of you that was also in that like mushy, like more tripped out stage. Yeah. And I think that what I knew is like, as soon as I kind of got my hands on you and you felt me there, not because it's me in particular, but because it's someone who's from that team of the other side. Like it's almost like someone who's going to help usher you through to that other side that you're slightly resistant to. That's when I think I worked on you a little bit on the bed And I knew things were going to shift. And as soon as you got up, it was like the thunderstorm started. And that's when I suggested the bathtub. Yes, (laughs) which thank God we ended up in the bath. And that's where you saw this vein, right? Yeah. Tell us about this. So that is, it's like a purplish line that starts to appear in near the sacrum, right down the lowest part of the lower back and toward the tailbone area. It's kind of right down the center of the sacrum. And oftentimes when that line gets a little bit discolored and purple, that's when we know that a baby is pretty low and it's it's pushing the sacrum out a little bit. So you can almost feel a ridge of the sacrum to the rest of the hips. And so the idea was to put you in the water because warm water sometimes helps temper the the waves and bring a little more of a pattern because things kind of spiked up super quick for you. And that can be really 
intense on the nervous system if there's not a slow climb. And I think for you, you had had such a slow back and forth for such a long time that when things finally hit in your head, you were like, is this really going to be it? Mm -hmm. But the train was moving really fast. So it's almost like the nervous system was having a hard time catching up to those big physical changes, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And so there you were. We put you in the bathtub and I remember making it dark because the darkness does help. And But again, if we're holding on to the relative, the darkness sometimes feels a little more intense because there's a resistance. But I think at that point, you finally let go. You got in the bathtub. And for a few seconds, you said, oh, yeah, this feels good. But then there wasn't even, there was very little space in between the contractions or in between the surges. Right. And so something happens when someone is getting close to what we call transition in labor, which is that space right when we're going to turn the curve of starting to get ready to push. The sounds start to sound a little bit different and they have a little bit of a, there's a tiny, you can almost listen to the very background music of it and it almost sounds like that person's going to start pushing. Oh, wow. But not quite. So your sounds and your voice started to sound a little different. And I think that because you knew, like, I think if we were going to have the baby at the house and you had planned for that and really organized that, you might have surrendered a little bit more at that Mm -hmm. point. But, you know, the, the neocortex and the multitasking person who's very much in control of things is saying, wait a second, I'm not having my baby here. That means we have to get in a car and drive to the hospital and get ready to have a baby there. Yeah. So you can't really let go, right? Guys, I'm so excited to be partnered with Sage. I have been a fan of their company forever. Sage Natural Wellness believes that everyone deserves physical and emotional wellness. They create 100% natural plant-based personal care products for your home and your overall well-being. So think diffusers and blends that elevate your space with functional scents that smell like happiness, the rainforest, eucalyptus, and more. You better bet that I have eucalyptus in my shower and my go-to product for sage. And by that, I mean, it's never not with me. I always have it in my purse. I bring it to the studio to podcast. I keep it in my nightstand. Is there a peppermint oil? So that is called the peppermint halo and it will banish a headache. Like if you have a headache and if you have a migraine, which I get both of those all the time, you just kind of put it on your temples. You can put it on your neck and it's so soothing. It's cooling like an ice pack, but it's not overpowering. I use it on my neck and back after a long day at the computer and it actually feels like a massage. So that is just one of many incredible products that Sage has. We have their diffusers all over our home. Atticus is a fan. Hudson and Jonathan's a fan. They have solutions for stress, sleep, and overall wellness. And I just love their products. So as a thank you to my listeners, Sage is offering everyone a discount to help you feel on top of your wellness. Use code BALANCED20 at checkout to receive 20% off your purchase. Exclusions apply. You can use the code online at sage.com, S-A-J-E.com, or in-store. Again, that is S-A-J-E.com, code BALANCED20. Enjoy. Okay, my loves. Last time we talked about the health and wellness hack that is taking the world by storm. And if you recall, it has to do with olive oil. Taking a shot of good quality olive oil every morning has a wide range of well-researched health benefits and people are going crazy for it, including me. 
This California-based brand, WellGrove, has launched a plant protein powder and a daily greens powder that includes extra virgin olive oil powder, which is very unique in the formulation. And I love it. They sent me a huge box. And you guys, I'm obsessed. You might've seen me posting about it on my Instagram. You can get the benefits of extra virgin olive oil while you drink your daily protein shake or green juice, whichever you prefer. It will give you brain fuel, energy, antioxidants, and it has no fillers whatsoever. These new formulations are from wellgrove.com. You can use the code BALANCED at checkout for 20% off your protein or greens with extra virgin olive oil powder and a free protein shaker for a limited time as well. That is code BALANCED for 20% off of your Wellgrove protein or greens powder. And I'm really excited for you to try it. I, like I said, have been a huge fan. I like to start my day with the greens powder. Then I like to do the protein sometime midday. So I hope that you guys enjoy. And like I said, make sure to use the code BALANCED and go to wellgrove.com to do so. Let me know your thoughts when you try. Tag me on Instagram, all the things. I love to hear what you think. And now, thank you, Wellgrove. Let's get back into this episode. And I was terrified of all those things. I was, right. I remember saying to you, I'm so scared to be in the car. I'm so scared to get to the hospital because they're going to ask me questions. And then what if right. it takes a long time and I can't talk to anyone right now because I'm not here? Right. It's kind of like, this is something that I like like to speak to my clients about. Like if you have never had a mind-altering, if you've had a mind-altering experience of sorts with an exogenous substance. There's sometimes there's this place uh, before you really let go and go into that experience of, you know, that mind altered experience. And it's almost like, wait, it's it's kind of a, the bumpy road into it. And if, and if you don't feel like you're in a safe place where you're not going to get in trouble or you're not going to have people bringing you down, y- you won't relax into it. But as soon as the music is really good and maybe there's some sunshine and there's people you love and you feel really safe, and held, then you completely let go. So you were in that space having a mind-altering experience, which was from the pharmacy of your brain. Mm -hmm. The brain was microdosing you with all the necessary hormones, but there was this clinging to the edge of the rocks because it's like, wait, wait, this isn't the place that I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always felt that because of all my mind-altering experiences that I've had with plant medicine and learning how to surrender and, and loving kind of being in that space usually, uh, I felt like this is going to be great for me. This is going to be such a breeze and I wasn't afraid of the pain. Mm-hmm. And then it was so different than that. And maybe birth is very different from what everyone envisions it to be, I'm sure. And that was what was happening with me. And I, I just, yeah, I felt I can't surrender. We're not even at the hospital. And right. and I was in denial that I was in labor because of the month leading up to it. And right. I felt like we're going to get to the hospital and they're going to be like, this girl drank castor oil. She's not in labor. We should send her home. Right. <laughs> and I think it's important. And, I, and again, I think your listeners have heard this before, that you had already had an episode where you had gone because you didn't know if you were, if labor was starting or exactly. not. Exactly. So right. I just thought it's going to be that again. And that day when we went the first time, which was November 21st, 
we were waiting at the hospital for probably five hours before they were able to see me because nothing urgent was really going on from their point of view or really at all. But this time it was so different. But I kept thinking, oh, I'm just going to be in a waiting room if we go to the hospital, (laughs) even though I'm screaming and there's a baby coming out. So I was wrong about that. and, And now I know they treat you very well when, you know, you ran me into the into the hospital and we couldn't even wait for the elevator doors to open. I mean, right. it was, it was, this was urgent. And I think that this is also why it's so helpful to have someone who is not your beloved because, you know, your partner knows you in such different ways. And, and, and not to say that a partner can't be a great birth partner because they are wonderful birth partners. But if you haven't been, supported many births and kind of seen the landscape of labor and been on the other side of it, it's tricky to know how to assist it and how to be that mountain. And it's very much like when you're a little kid and you're terrified of something and your mom or your, you know, your stable parent turns to you and says, everything is going to be okay. And sometimes that's all you need to know is that someone actually knows that this is going to pass and that it's going to be okay. And that's a lot of what a doula is helping you with Mm -hmm. is to remind you that your body's working at optimum, that you're not in danger, that the storm that's happening is a good thing because that storm has to happen for Atticus to come through. And so it's those voices that are continually reminding you like that you're okay because honestly, other than childbirth, when is pain or discomfort to this degree a sign of something good? Yeah. I mean, maybe a, a bowel movement, like a really good bowel movement it could yes. be. But in childbirth, you know, these surges and these contractions and this, the, the muscles doing what they need to do, this is the storm that's bringing baby to the shore. Mm-hmm. And there's some psychology around that because our body is alerting discomfort, discomfort and the intensity of it at times. So, yeah. Yeah, that is very true. And I never thought that Jonathan would say, you know, the wrong thing, quote unquote. He's so supportive <laughs> and he's so in tune with me. And we're, we're, we've been best friends before we even started dating and then got married. We are always on a very similar wavelength or I can tell him like, no, don't do this, do this. And it works. But this <laughs> yeah. birth, I mean, it was very scary for him. And now, because so much of it is on video, I can see that he was really scared and he was yeah. just saying all these things, the last things that you want to hear. He's like, just relax you and know. all of that. And I actually, I didn't know that until you posted it because I've been gone when that, when I think when you posted about all of that. Right. And, and I was either behind or in front of you guys, right? In my yeah, car. Yeah, in your car. Yeah, we were not in the same car. You were like right. next to us. And he did tell me that he had done that and that it was like, and that he had caught it on camera. And one of the things that I do remember telling Jonathan when we had our talks, and I wish Jonathan was here because I just absolutely I adore him. And he is the best cheerleader and like he's just such a positive energy person. Yeah, he is. And even when I got to your home, he had such good energy and he was really not taking orders, but he was such a great team member with me. And so much that when your cat was getting away, when you guys were leaving the house, you was in the midst of everything. You're like the cat. And he like, like, he managed to get the cat back in and get everything in the car really quick. Yeah, he can move real quick. That's for sure. But one of the things that we did talk about, I remember at my house are phrases that we want to be cautious to say. And one of them is, 
relax. And I mean, this goes for parents. If you're listening and you're a parent, you might remember if someone, when do we ever, when do we ever feel better when someone really tells us relax or just relax? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, but most often that's just, we're trying to relax, but those words don't necessarily help us go into that space if they're not kind of fed in a more meditative way. So at that moment coming from Jonathan, because he's going to be the person closest to you in this experience. And he's going to be the first person that you blame for everything. Totally. Even if it's not his fault, mm-hmm. he's going to be it. So when he said those words and and you went off on him, that was actually really wonderful to see because that's very, I mean, how many times? I think if any doula is listening, we've seen that happen where the partner ends up in the corner kind of like, I mean, even cell phones, sometimes someone will be in labor and the partner will be on the cell phone all the way across the room in the corner. And and the, the laboring mother will be like, turn your phone off. And yeah, we see everything. The nothing partner gets will be, yeah, nothing gets past yeah. you. Your senses are heightened. Yeah. Like a thousand times, you know, because you're in such an expanded state. So yeah. you smell everything stronger. You see things, you hear things that, you know, you can hear the dropping of the water in the sink next to you. So absolutely. Yes. And Jonathan says now, he says, I remember Patty telling me not to ask any questions. So (laughs) I didn't ask any questions. And that was the one thing that he did really remember and hold on to, to not ask like silly questions. Right. Not a lot of questions, especially after contractions, not a lot of questions. Instead of saying, are you thirsty? Bring the water bottle with a straw and just put it by your mouth and you'll turn and sip. Um, mm. Doesn't mean you you can't ask, but the less questions that we were asking someone who's in that space, the better, because what we're, what we're assisting the, you in doing is drop, letting go and going into that portal, into that birth portal. Yeah. That wants to take you to get you to the other side. Yeah. It's a very shamanic practice. The more that I hear you talk <laughs> about it, it's very, it reminds me of a shaman in a medicine ceremony mm-hmm. To be of complete surrendered assistance, really Mm -hmm. serving the person going through the experience and also being kind of like invisible and out of the way, but being so in tune with what the mother needs. It's, that is an art and you, you Mm. have nailed that. Well, that's what doula literally means. It means servant in the, in the most beautiful way to serve. And, you know, there's doulas for many different rites of passage that we experience as humans. There there are birth doulas, there are postpartum doulas, there are death doulas, and there's doulas that support abortions and miscarriage. And so, you know, those sliding doors of birth and death that happen and throughout, I mean, we have the big sliding doors, but then in between that movie that we get to live in human form, we have several sliding doors. And usually a doula comes into those spaces to really support that rite of passage. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It does take, I find, and every doula is going to approach different and add their beautiful personal qualities to the work that they do. But I find that your energy that you're bringing into the room and the work that you're going to do with the people that you get to, that you're lucky enough to shepherd through such a beautiful birth. I think every birth that I've been through, I feel like I'm so grateful that I get to see that moment where life comes through and where you are also reborn in a different way. But what you're bringing into that room is an essence of anchoring the energy and calm and love. And yeah, you're going to make quick moves and, you know, like kind of reading the room very carefully. You're reading the room. That's what you're doing a lot is you're reading the room and 
because we do all the prep we can, but once we hit go, and, and this is actually why preparation is so essential, because we can't wait to get to that movie and then go. We can, but it really helps to start getting into the head mm-hmm. of where am I going? And a lot of the conversations that I like to have, and if you've taken class with me, is this really is a place of like, do you know that in birth, all the drawers of the cabinet are going to open. And a lot of the fears that we have locked and maybe some traumas and things that we've tried to control a lot, those drawers are going to open up and they're going to be in the room with you. And so sometimes we see people go into more fight or flight mode, which is that uh, sympathetic dominance. Sometimes we see people that are really able to surrender and feel, you know, confident that they've built a secure team. Having a birth team that really has listened to you and really you feel safe with, you feel like they're going to be respecting your wishes. That makes a world of difference of how we can surrender. Yeah, it does. It really does. I think about that a lot in regards to my birth. And you said this, if I had planned a home birth, mm-hmm. I would have been in a totally different headspace, mm-hmm. but I didn't. So I, right. I knew like at some point we got to yeah. change this environment and that was impossible for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. And you had that conversation with me a lot. I think one of the first conversations we had was that you did in your heart want to have a home birth. And it was that experience that you had had in the past with, you know, your surgery and such. Mm -hmm. And so there was this place of like, well, do I, do I, you know, run the risk or do I not? And maybe I'll find someone who really respects me. And you felt safe with your doctor that you chose. Mm-hmm. And I know at the last minute, suddenly he wasn't going to be in the picture yeah. either. Yeah. So that was through me for such a loop too. And then I was afraid to go to the hospital because who is going to be the doctor and what, right. what call are they going to make? And then are we going to have to argue back with them or right. all of that? And turns out the doctors were so lovely. I loved who ended up being there that night. Yes. And it was perfect. And yes. that's why to anybody listening who has similar fears, which I'm sure anyone pregnant right now or wanting to have children in the future, it's so unknown. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be what it's meant to be. Exactly what you just said. It's going to be what it's meant to be. And that's not always the way that we have it painted in our heads. And we really do get the experiences we need. Yeah. Even oftentimes when we're disappointed in the way things turn, what a doula is helpful with and what a what a well-prepped birth partner is with is regardless of the path that your birth goes down, whether it goes, and I'll say this to people who choose home birth, because it's not about home birth or, or you're in an L&D room or you're in the OR, because whether you've chosen a cesarean or it went in that direction by default, let's try to make that experience as positive as possible so that the person who's in labor and giving birth still feels honored still feels heard, still feels cared for, because that really is where we start to remove trauma. Mm -hmm. I think it's when we're not heard and respected and there's not consent and we are fear-mongered. This is when we start to really feel those places where we were muted and we weren't, you know, you know, unfortunately that's where some birth trauma comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because something I wanted to talk to you about was the differences between home birth and hospital birth beyond Mm -hmm. the obvious differences. But for anyone out there who's trying to make a decision between the two, which was me for like, you know, 90% of my pregnancy until I finally being the indecisive Libra that I am said, we'll just (laughs) do this. We'll just stay with my doctor and 
do the whole, do what he thinks I should do, especially for my first birth, my first child. And by the way, he messaged me afterwards in the portal where I talked to him and he said, I heard all about your birth. And just so you know, if you wanted to do your natural birth next time, you can because your uterus Mm -hmm. held up just fine, which was what he was worried about with the scarring. And you told me all along those chances are so minimal, but it was just a big, you know, call. So, well, and that's also a good point. I'm not a midwife and I'm not a medical practitioner. That's Mm -hmm. what I always said in the beginning. It's not my place. It's so we can turn to our birth team. And again, if it's a midwife, the midwife would definitely be to be able to consult in different ways. But you ultimately have to make that decision. We can, and this goes back to, just speaking as a meditation teacher or or yoga, we cannot change someone else's state of consciousness, nor is it our job to. Mm -hmm. We can change our own and we can be preceptors. We can be role models of that state of consciousness and bring that into the team. But ultimately, your decisions are the right decisions. And the truth is, any midwife I've worked with will say the same to you. You cannot decide. So when people speak to me, I mean, they cannot decide for you. You have mm-hmm. to be the one to decide. And I really appreciate that because they're not there to try to convince you to do anything, nor am I. I think people who meet me definitely think that I am I would push more for home birth, but I would like to take the word push out of there because it's not for everyone. It has to be right for you. Now I feel very inspired to help educate people about it because I myself didn't know about Not that I didn't know about home birth, but my children are 18 and 17 now, and which is crazy. But 18 years ago or 19 years ago, I really didn't know a lot of people doing home births. And so when I thought of it and it hit my consciousness, like, oh, I want to do this, a lot of people fell on me and they were like, no, that's dangerous. And I think there just was an ignorance about it. Mm -hmm. Ignorance meaning a lack of knowledge. And so I chose to birth at a hospital. And I had lovely vaginal births, but seeing it from the other side, I know now that I could have and I would have if I knew more. Yeah. So if you were to educate on this podcast about home birth, just in a very brief description, what would you say to people who are wondering if it's safe or not, or if it's an option for them? And obviously this is not medical advice. This is just, we're just chatting. Right. I would say meet a midwife and I'd be so happy. If you're in Los Angeles, I'm happy to connect you to midwives. I love connecting people to anyone in the in the birth world, whether it's a birth doula or a postpartum doula or a great midwife, because I just think that community is so key. But I would I would speak to a midwife more so than a doula. I would speak to a midwife. Yes, speak to your doula, but then really meet the person who's done thousands of births or hundreds of births and who can educate you on uh what they bring with them, how they manage, how they manage emergencies. They have oxygen with them. They know how to resuscitate. They know how to manage hemorrhage. They carry, they carry equipment and Pitocin to manage hemorrhage. They know when to make a call when things are starting to look a little bit different. One of the things that I think people don't know, number one, is that midwives are trained extensively, extensively in how to manage these emergencies. And again, I could go into many layers of this because some midwives would say it's the job of the birthing person to actually educate themselves on these things, which I do believe too. But I do think that it's very, it's really helpful to have a midwife there with you, even if you're going to choose to do most of it yourself, having Mm -hmm. someone who 
who can be, because like you said, you go into that portal and it's hard to be the person no, managing yes, things, right? it's impossible. Right? I mean, it, yeah. for me it was, I just didn't know, I wouldn't have known to say like we should leave for the hospital or right. anything. Right, so midwives are very well-versed in this. They also arrive at your birth and they're very close by. So they're listening. If you want your, if you want to listen to your baby's heart tones on a Doppler, they're listening every now and then to your baby through contractions. They will check your cervix if you want to, which again, that's not something of emergency, but that's something that some people who are in labor want to know how far along they are. And you've also done extensive work with them prior to your birth. You've done visits where you sit for an hour sometimes. I mean, I guess I can't speak for every midwife, but I've been in two-hour visits with midwives and their clients where the whole birth team sits together and the midwife speaks to them about their history and if there's trauma and what are you eating? So it's less about, let me put you on a scale and weigh you. And it's more so like, let's talk about what you eat. What are you eating so that your blood is clotting properly and you're bag is strong and your fluids are abundant and you have the right amount of fats and proteins in your body and they're tending. What, what are you doing for your nervous system? I think some people walk into their doctor's office and they're put on a scale and then they sit with someone for maybe just, you know, half an hour max. And there's not really that heart to heart conversation, which even that you refer to it as a shamanic experience, you want those people to know your heart. You want them you want to feel as comfortable as possible in that very intimate experience with them. Yeah. So that you can fully let go and surrender mm-hmm. and, and, and unravel. That's where birth happens. Yes. So you can hear me getting more passionate about it because when I actually started to support home births and see and witness the layers of intimacy and, and uh, support that, these women brought to the environment and the it, it was just beautiful and it felt it felt like people were respected more they were seen more there were more peaceful experiences babies were treated in a very loving way newborn exams are done right in your bed where you participate so you're actually learning i just did a post about this you're actually learning about you know, what to look for when you're with your baby that night and, you know, the different like anatomy, what they're checking for in anatomy and you weigh your own baby. So there is, it just seems like such a really lovely way to integrate into that big moment. Mm -hmm. Um, You're also around your smells and your home. And so I think sometimes people feel like, what if something goes wrong? And of course, and that's a very legitimate fear. And I don't know where you live. Maybe you live far from a hospital if needed. I mean, there's so many different layers to it, but if if there's a interest and there's a spark of curiosity when either I'm saying these things or whether you have it like I had it 18 years ago, follow the charm. Investigate. Investigate. Learn from someone, not from someone who doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're speaking to, and, and no way am I saying that OBs aren't, are good or bad. I don't even like to use the words good or bad. I think OBs are perfectly trained in what they're trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trained in how to manage emergencies a lot. And so if OBs would get to witness physiologic birth and merge with midwives in, they'd get to support midwives in home births, I think that it would be wonderful because they'd start to see like, oh, wow, 
this birthing position really works, or I didn't have to have my hands in there. I actually let her do it on her own, or there wasn't a need for early induction or, you know, some of the things that we see so often, or there wasn't Mm -hmm. a need to clamp the cord Mm -hmm. right away, or there wasn't a need to cut the cord before we delivered the placenta. Yeah, it's I like, know I went on on a no, long no, rant. No, I love this. This is such good info. And I'm learning too from hearing from you. I mean, I plan on having more kids and I, I this is always going to be something that I'm going to be interested to learn more about. And it's like with all things you're saying, um, it would be so nice for an OB to get to witness that experience. And I feel like with all things, if we would just all have more respect for both sides rather than one and I'm, and it is true that sometimes like the Western medicine perspective is very anti doing anything naturally when it comes to birth or birth is considered, you know, an emergency in, 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 the, in some people's eyes, which it's so not. It's like the most beautiful thing in the entire world. I would love to see more respect mm-hmm. from that side, especially having gone through the process and my particular experience of being such a natural person right? and having an OB who I love. And also, I think the joke at the end of it with my family and stuff was like, my doctor learned a whole new perspective with me because of the things I wouldn't do and the things that I would bring my own glucose drink or whatever that is. And he's like, well, Jordan, you know, it's organic now. And I'm like, well, do you want me to read you the actual ingredients? And we just went back and forth. That was the whole nine or 10 months process together. But in the end, he was quite respectful, which I was really, really lucky for. And in the very end, he wasn't even there. So (laughs) there's like so much surrender. And I, yeah, for anyone listening who is in that limbo, like me of, really passionate about natural world stuff, but also at doing things at the hospital for birth because you have to or because that's what you want to do or that's what your partner wants you to do or, you know, you just end up kind of somewhere, whether it's home or not. I'm happy that that we're talking about this and that I can also be a voice for someone who has kind of experienced a little bit of both worlds. Yeah. And I mean, I'll also play in as the devil's advocate for lack of a better name is for people sometimes who are very much in that, no, it can't be this and I can't have this and I can't have this drug. I try to soften the edges there as well because I mean, I tell you, kids will break those rigid attachments that you have to those things because ultimately what are rigid attachments? Rigid attachments come from fear, you know, and on any side, On any side of the spectrum, they come from fear. So sometimes we surrender to those, the medical support or the pharmaceutical or the drug because maybe we actually could really use it at that point. Mm -hmm. So I'm like you in the sense of like, there's not a right or wrong and there's not a good or bad, but it's a really exciting time if you in this lifetime have chosen to grow a human and be the person who grows that human and births that human and feeds that human, it's a reckoning to upgrade and awaken. And it's a reckoning to actually take, take charge and, and uh, autonomy of your experience. Whether you're like, I've listened to all of this and I know that a cesarean is the right decision for me. That's what I respect. Because you know yourself best. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think partners play a role, but ultimately this is you do. You're the one walking through this portal. Mm -hmm. So do the homework, get it, get in the shoes of it, you know, get in your body as much as you can throughout your pregnancy and off, 
all of the Google stuff and yes. get in your body and get into nature and see what is working for you because mm-hmm. there is there's a karmic path for you in this all. So but very much to like what you say, I think that, and I know that you surrendered in many ways to things that you normally wouldn't have taken or done because oh, yeah. you needed to for your well-being. Yes, I know. I'm thinking of a bunch of things that happened things. during labor and after where I had to surrender Because I remember when they wanted to give me Pitocin after Atticus was already born, which my main thing was kind of at this point, do whatever you need to do to my body because my baby's out and he's not going to be affected by this. And then I read this wild statistic about Pitocin on Instagram the other day. I won't even say it because I don't even want to scare people, but I saw it. And I was just like, oh my God, wait, Atticus. Okay, Atticus was out of my body. Okay, because it was in regards to the baby. And... At that point, I remember they said, we're going to give you Pitocin. And you and I both were kind of like, oh, do we have to? And I was totally distracted because Atticus was born. But I remember you helping me advocate and them really saying, yes, we have to give this to you. And or this is what we really believe that you need because of your previous surgery. Right. And I was just like, okay. And the bleeding. And the bleeding. Because they didn't want to bleed too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I had that. But I've had lingering effects. I don't know from epidural or Pitocin. And since we haven't seen each other, I'll tell you now, like I've been fine. But for five or six months, my feet hurt so bad. Like my feet were in such severe pain that I ended up looking all these things up. Like did the epidural settle in my feet and all these Mm. things that you'll hear. And Alayla, great postpartum doula who we love, who you introduced me to, was very helpful with my physical healing. Um, but yeah, medication is medication. Yes. And if you need it, you, you know, use it and make it a sacred experience, not right. a traumatic experience. But some of us have sensitive bodies. Absolutely. And I'm sensitive like you. And I think this is what's problematic with at times with the medical system is that they're really ready to offer you the pharmaceutical, whether it be the epidural or the pitocin or fentanyl or morphine in birth. And there's there's not a, really an education of what are the risks and mm-hmm. what may come with that. Mm-hmm. So... It's like, oh no, you'll get an epidural. And it's like, well, that's a, it's a big procedure, number one. And there are lots of side effects. And maybe it's a small percentage, but there are side effects. So then you make the educated decision. Yeah. So some of these things aren't mentioned. And when you're in it and after you've given birth at that point, it is tricky to advocate. And this mm-hmm. is, again. Then you're just, yeah, out of it and in a blissed out Absolutely. And you're soaring with oxytocin and such. But it is important that you tell your story about the epidural and such because people need to know. Yeah. 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 And it's all about educating ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if those side effects potential are worth it to people, great. Like, I might have another epidural. I don't know. I loved right. I loved that epidural. Right. Um and I love the idea of another path, more natural. It just it just I now know what birth is and what it feels like in my body and many things I would do differently next time to be in a place where you know I know that I'm giving birth so that I can fully surrender earlier and see what happens from there. Yeah. And then back to the surrender of of other things that we had to do. We were in the hospital with Atticus for 10 days with jaundice and putting him under the blue lights and 23 right. hours out of the day, he had to be wearing this eye mask. It was so 
so sad, but necessary. And we had to give him formula in the hospital. That was the ingredients were, they were not Jordan approved. They were not Mm. TVB approved, as I say, like at all, which was just, I mean, he was 24 hours old. This was a huge surrender for me more than anything else because I'm so passionate about Mm -hmm. nutrition and what I put into my body and when I was pregnant and suddenly we had no choice because at the hospital they said, you can't choose your own formula and you're not producing breast milk yet. So this is what it is. You had colostrum, right? A little bit. Mm. I mean, my mm-hmm. breastfeeding journey was, I was producing a very small amount. Right. In the beginning, I thought it was normal and I quickly realized it wasn't. So yeah, I did have colostrum, but also Atticus, he was was bright yellow baby. Right. So everything was... Right. It was heightened. And again, this is not medical medical advice, but, you know, jaundice does happen. And and uh, and there are things that do help it. And there are certain jaundice numbers that are definitely concerning. And so in no way is it to say that the NICU is not doing what they need to do. Some pediatricians nowadays have what we call billy blankets so that you can go home and you can have the billy blanket with you at home. Mm-hmm. And there are very legitimate reasons to to have to have a baby in a NICU. Very legitimate. And we're so grateful for the NICU. But, you know, sometimes they're going to look at things through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And yes, and it, it can often, that process can often derail the bonding moment where we know that what's going to help your baby the most is being on you, being exposed to natural sunlight and getting colostrum. Yeah. The one thing I do want to say is sometimes we're so hard on ourselves as mothers. And I think it's just like to the mother's ears that are listening to this, because I know as a mother and you know as a mother, that we will always guilt ourselves for everything, even when it wasn't our fault. So whether it is in that beginning that you do or don't want to do formula, sometimes if it is legitimately necessary, then you do the formula. I think it's frustrating that you can't use your own formula. Oh, yeah. I would have been happy to use our yeah. natural European <laughs> organic, right. like screened by me right. formula, but that wasn't possible until we were moved to the pediatric unit. Like We never had to go to the NICU. So that was the blessing. Atticus could be in my postpartum healing room. And then we went to the pediatric unit right. there because children are mostly older than Atticus. You can bring anything you want from formula to food. And that was helpful. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you. And we were all over the place. I was ready to be like, I called our holistic doctor, pediatrician, who you helped connect us to. And I said, I told him what the deal was. And I thought for sure he was going to say, go home and do the billy blanket and expose him to sunlight. And so I was packing our bags. And so was Jonathan. And when I told him Atticus's actual Billy Rubin numbers, he said, oh my God, do not leave the hospital and and do everything whatever they tell you. And that was a lot for me to take in. And But that's so helpful, right? To mm-hmm. have someone who comes from a philosophy that you actually respect and is telling yes. you that. And well, again, I respected that. I mean, I was so happy that I had someone because then there was the nurse at the hospital, this woman who I ended up just loving, but they're on rotation all the time. So I, I was with her for maybe like eight hours. But she said, just so you know, I wouldn't give my baby this formula. I would I would leave if I were you. And I, so then right. I was like, oh, do we leave? But yes, it was so helpful. And that's yeah. why I'm so grateful. And this would be my advice to people listening. Just have a team that you trust. 
pediatricians, holistic doctors, midwives, doulas, educate yourself before the baby's born so that if any unforeseen circumstances occur, you know who to call or you know who to speak to. Yes. And then you can be checking in with those people also. Exactly. Because these numbers on day one, just because I don't know if we ever got a chance to talk about it, they were high and then they kept doubling. And that is nothing that has been seen at, you know, by the UCLA is a teaching hospital. So there's a lot of residents in there, a lot of doctors, you know, doctors, but they're young. And then they all have their superiors that they go to. But a lot, all these doctors, they had never seen. We've never seen bilirubin numbers increase rather than decline. And so that's what kept us there for so long. And And that's really scary. Yeah. It's really scary. You don't know. You've, you know, you're a brand new mom. You're already, your hormones are changing because you just give birth. You delivered a placenta, you lost blood, all of the above. So it's, this is when it's really helpful to have a team and the NICU team was very caring with you because, and I think that that's also like, I think you told me that everyone was very kind to you and, and supportive of you, which helped you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Well, we had 50-50, but it was, mm. yeah, it was, oh, it was this 10-day period. It's almost like I've blacked it out from my mind. It was intense. And I'm grateful. I mean, Atticus got healthy, which is the only thing that mattered. I think he's a special starseed type of being. And like me, like his mom, it can be a little hard to come into these human bodies. That's how I feel. And so when he went through this experience, I just intuitively felt like that's what's going on. Yeah. He's an old soul. He's figuring out how to get into this body. I knew he was going to be fine. I really did. Even though everything was scary, I just really felt in my soul he's going to be okay. Yeah. And then we finally got to go home and and then we finally got to have this kind of more blissful experience yeah. that we had envisioned. But this was a crazy time. Well, that's time. such, sur- I mean, talking about surrender, mm-hmm. because sometimes the birth can go great and this can happen home birth or hospital birth. And then things in postpartum start to change, whether it is a hemorrhage or whether it is a placenta that's not releasing or whether it is something after with your baby. And it is true we're dealing with those realms of birth and death and transitioning into bodies and Mm -hmm. everything else. So Exactly. Yes. And you were such a, we talked so much about that during pregnancy. These these babies are spirits and they're souls. And that's such a beautiful outlook. Can Can you share your outlook on that? Like when, well, yeah, just share your outlook on that. Well, I think that, you know, we are all, I mean, the Vedic worldview and my belief system is that we are nature embodied in these tight little vessels we call human body. So we are nature. So if we say the universe, we don't really say the universe. I am the universe in this individual body. And so in pregnancy, it's believed, and my teacher Tom Knowles talks, talks to me quite a bit about it, that it's about at four to six months of gestation is when the soul or the jiva kind of really embodies the physical body, lands in the physical body, and starts to experience, you know, the becoming in that physical body. And, you know, I think mothers feel this a lot. They start to feel a shift at four months to six months of pregnancy where they really feel the presence of this little person more than just a little body moving around. But your meditations feel a little bit different. 
your dreams feel a little bit different, your likings feel a little bit different, your, you know, everything that you want around you, the way you see things is a little bit different. So it's, I mean, it's such a unique, unique human experience that I'm constantly trying to awaken pregnant mothers to the fact of like, do you realize right now you are in this pocket of epic human experience that you have two bodies within you. I'm so happy that you videoed my placenta for us because I've sent <laughs> I it forgot to that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I look yeah. at it all the time just to remind mm-hmm. myself how big it is and what it looks like and yeah. that my body grew that and I send it to pregnant friends or really anyone who's not too squeamish to look at it and people are astonished. I mean, my friends who are pregnant, they're like that's inside of me. It's huge. It's huge. It's yeah. huge and it's 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 just ripe with life. You can see it when it mm-hmm. comes out. And what's connected to the placenta is that beautiful lifeline, which is your umbilical cord, which is still pulsating for quite a while after we come through as humans. It's almost mm-hmm. as though the mothership is helping you, helping the baby enter this bright new world that they've come into. Hence, why as birth workers we're trying to make this experience a much more peaceful and quiet and loving and patient process because that is our first initiation into this particular way of breathing and being. Through our human eyes, it looks like we're kind of spastic and, you know, out of control. And it's because this consciousness is still landing into this human body. And you can see that transition. How old is Atticus now? He'll be seven months in okay. two days. So you already saw that transition. Between four to six months, Attica suddenly started to lock eyes mm-hmm. and be reach out into the world like that's mine and want to grab the food out of your hand. And suddenly they are in your world. Yes. And through our human eyes, we applaud this. We're like, yay, look at them. And we little by little start to pull them into this realm. Mm-hmm. And so it's at that point that we really transition into being more in the state of consciousness that we, you know, more into the relative world, essentially. Mm-hmm. We go more from absolute state into relativity. Yeah, definitely. I remember that transition with Atticus. And I remember being a little shocked because... Well, every stage, of course, we're not quite ready or I, you know, haven't been because the newborn stage is so fleeting and it went so fast. I mean, these days flew by in the blink of an eye. And then suddenly I remember when he was a newborn, newborn thinking, well, soon enough, he'll be he's going to be like a real human here with me. And then my actions with him and around him are going to be even more important, you know, because he's going to notice if I'm on my phone or he's going to notice if I'm in a bad mood, any of these things. And that transition happened. And now I'm in my every moment, like when I'm around him, of course, trying to be my highest self as a mother and learning alongside of him. And I'm so excited for you to see him tomorrow because he is seven months old, but he's like such a human. I mean, he's hilarious and he's extremely social and he notices everything and I'll be doing something and I'll glance at him and he's watching me. Yeah, he is fully awakened to Mm -hmm. his humanness Mm -hmm. and fully integrated. And so we start to kind of want to speed it up. When is my baby going to sleep through the night? When can I get them? And granted, it's a lot to not be sleeping, but that time is so fleeting and it's perfectly designed by nature 
we have to remember that nature has designed this perfectly and we fight that continually. We want to speed things up. We want our kid to be doing things sooner. We want them to be walking sooner. We want them to be eating. We want them to be self-sufficient sooner. And then as they get like to my kids, my age, we're starting to kind of be like, we start pulling back more like, so it's almost like we push, we speed forward and then we start grasping because we realize that the train is moving still and we're not going to be in control that much more. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we're going to fuck up so many times and that's part of our own growth. And I think that we'll teach our children that we're not perfect and we'll show yes. them all of that, right? Yes, but absolutely. the presence is a real important discipline to get more present with those moments. And again, how can I surrender to them? Yes. I know this is so important and you're so knowledgeable about parenting and babies and it's so important because this time goes so fast and everyone yeah. says it. Everyone and now I'm the one saying it because it's <laughs> so true. Yeah. And it's hard not to want to think about those milestones of when will they sleep through the night and all of that, but this is just such a little slice in time and I always think like God only gives us what we can handle. And the guest I had on before this said it too. And I've been telling myself that every day. And right. when it comes to sleep and when it comes to the support and, and trading off with the sleep and all of that, and it's all going to work itself right. out. And I would say it, you only give yourself what you could handle. Yeah. Each one of these journeys through these fun vessels we call bodies is one more experience to learn how to let go until we finally don't need these bodies anymore. I know. So I think with that perspective, we always come in thinking, okay, this is another opportunity for me. This is another opportunity for me to maybe look at where I'm controlling too much or look look at where I'm leading with fear or look at where I'm, you know, not really, you know, following my heart. And I remember giving birth to my daughter and just a few like minutes after when I was alone with her in the bed and uh, I was holding her and I could feel the bittersweetness of what I had signed up for. I could feel this, that before I had her in my body, it was kind of like I really was in control because I was the one choosing what to eat. I was the one taking her with me everywhere. Yeah, And then... As soon as I had given birth to her, it was that sense of like, oh my God, I love you so much, but I know that that love is me learning how to let go of you. Yes, that feeling. Oh my gosh. It's and like, it's, you know, we could, we could cry, right? Yes, <laughs> it's indescribably huge. It it's is. like every time my mom and I look at Atticus, we say it's like heartbreaking, yeah. how perfect and how much you love him. It's painful. It's yeah. when it hit me at the end of my pregnancy that I'm going to have the baby and I'm going to have to actually like hand him to other people. Like (laughs) what? And I'm like, wait, I'm not, I am not ready. I'm not ready. And it's just a lot. And you know that he's going to show you who he really is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's that place where we can influence. Like my daughter always says, you know, parents just brainwash their kids. And she (laughs) said that to me when she was really young. And I was like, and then I was like, you're right. We do. We're, we're, we're constantly brainwashing. We call it you know, teaching them, but we are, we're trying to tell them how to live life and, Mm -hmm. you know, how to stay safe and all that. And the beautiful dance of it is learning to celebrate them for who they are. It's a challenge to be the lighthouse. Mothers are the lighthouse, but to also realize that you're also the student in, in that like dance of, of it all, because you're the lighthouse that's there to protect and guide and light the way for everyone. But 
if you're not doing the self-work and checking in on your own growth and such, then yeah, that light becomes a little misleading. It does. It's so true. Everything you say is so profound and you have such the perfect voice for being a teacher. Yeah, it's such a gift. And I'm so happy that I found you and years ago being a yoga works person myself, I always knew Patty's going to be my doula. I didn't even know you, but I mean, I knew you. I took your classes and I always just knew that would happen. And I'm so grateful that it did. And I've met so many amazing women through UMA and your prenatal classes and soon to be more postpartum stuff together. And soon to birth my online platform, which is coming before summer ends. And that way people can access, you know, pre and postnatal classes and community and talks. And it can be an online platform for me to really do what I love the most, which is educate. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm so happy because people listening who live all over, they'll want to check it out and have that support and that community. And then for people, if they don't live in L.A., how would you recommend that they find a doula? This is a question that I get all the time. Well, I think that, I mean, I get those messages and I'm always happy to to tap into my doula network. But there is an organization called DONA, which is DONA International, D-O-N-A International. I think if you go, if you hop online and you look them up and you could actually enter where you live and they have connections to doulas. The one thing is that that, that's kind of a, like, I'm not certified under DONA. And I don't think, I really personally don't think there has to be a certification that is acknowledged from, like, the state or the country to be a doula. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be training because it helps to have training. But, you know, if you're not DONA certified, you won't be listed there. So I would recommend speak to people that go on social media. Go to UMA. I post a lot of different things from midwives from different places. And I, you know, one of Uma's goals is to be able to have a resource list of doulas and birth workers all over the place. So connect with Uma and we'll we'll list you if you are a doula or a birth worker and uh, we can help to build that community. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you do that. That's the question I always get. And people are like, can I work with your doula? And I'm like, do you live in LA? And they're like, no. I'm like, probably not. I mean, you guys don't really travel for this work, I'm assuming, because you really work with people through the whole process. I mean, some of us do virtual support, Mm -hmm. although I, I know that, you know, you want to have that body in the room with you many times. And I completely understand that. So I've only done virtual dueling for a few people, but I, you know, I have a friend, my friend Lori Bregman, she does a lot of virtual births. So you can hire someone to do virtual support with you and they'll teach you birth ed and they'll be with you on FaceTime and Zoom. But I mean, I know nothing beats having someone there in person. I do offer online programs that you can sign up and do when you're pregnant and in postpartum where you'll learn a ton of birth education and we practice yoga and such. But it also builds community and, and it's a way for you to also find people in your area. So you'll love that Jonathan, we were calling him my postpartum doula because he <laughs> was. Because when I gave birth, we got home from the hospital. Everyone around us had COVID. Everyone. So I all the support that I had oh, been yeah. yeah, for about a month. We didn't have like really any help outside of like my parents. So Jonathan was the postpartum doula. He was cooking every meal. He was like taking care of my body, taking care of the baby. To this day, Jonathan does all of the night feedings. He is like 
uh, yeah, he's very, he's very next level. Jonathan was the most excited student whenever we would have sessions. He came like pen and pencil and brain, ready to take notes, asked me a bunch of questions, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like he really wanted to learn and yeah. he learned about the importance of being there for postpartum mm-hmm. and having a partner that's on board and that really understands that, that the best thing that we can do for a mother and baby in postpartum is mother the mother. We don't need to hold that baby. We don't need to be doing things. We need to make it so that mother can mother the baby, can be napping with baby, can be resting, can be healing, can be feeding, can have, you know. So we, all that care that you're talking about that Jonathan did of cooking and, you know, perhaps cleaning. And if people want to give you things, I always say, have give you services, a housekeeper or someone to walk the dogs or someone to come and do your dishes or someone to come in, you know, the little things that we really just take, you know, we take for granted. That's what we really need support for, which is kind of be in that messy, blurry state and have all the other logistical things taken care of Mm -hmm. so that you can actually really seep into that space. But if we can get some warm meals that are really nutrient dense and good fats and warm teas, it's going to help our healing mm-hmm. and our milk production. Mm-hmm. This was amazing. Oh my gosh, we could, so, keep, we could keep talking forever. <laughs> I know, I know. It's amazing. So tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me at umamother.com. And that's my website for my company for mothers. But you can also find me at patiquintero.com for Vedic meditation. And if you're someone who's not in the mother world and you want to learn Vedic meditation, which is taught in person, you go to patty, P-A-T-T-I-Q-U-I-N-T-E-R-O.com and you can find me there as well. And thank you so much for being here. And we should do another with Jonathan. Sure. That'll yeah, be really fun. He was very jealous that I was seeing <laughs> you today. He was like, what? That's not fair. <laughs> and thank you for being such a light in the community and just bringing so much education forward and I see the transformation in you. I'm looking at you right now. Even when I just saw you, you look like a different person. Really? And it's exciting to really witness this new chapter of you doing what you do as a mother. Thank you. That is so nice. You also look like a different person. (laughs) While we're talking, I was seeing your face like shape-shifting. That's how I know you're shamanic, even in your your soul of souls. It's it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.